So good afternoon again. Um, I want to I continue. I, I just want to encourage you, sorry, and I'm going to reiterate that when the, the kids go. Next Sunday evening, if you have somebody, if you're sick, or if you have someone in your family or friends that are sick, then please, I'm going to seriously ask you to consider inviting them to come along. And let's believe. And I know that takes, it takes um, maybe courage and it takes neck to say, hey, look, we're praying for healing. Because, and then what if they don't get healed? Then what's going to happen, right? We're taking that step of faith. We're putting this on. I, I'll be really honest with you and tell you, because it was John who suggested it to me, Brian, I think we should have a healing night. I really feel the Lord saying we should have a healing night. And I'm going, but in my head, I'm going, but what? No one gets healed, <laughs> right? And we step out when we do it. But you know what? That's what the life of faith is. God says something, and we step into that, and we take a chance. And, and maybe it won't work out exactly the way we think it'll work out. But you hate, like, that's the adventure. So we're going to step into this. We're going to put the night on. We're going to set the place up. We're going to have a bit of heat on. We're going to have a few candles lighting. We're going to, we're going to sing our brains out and really trust and believe that God is going to show up and work miracles. And, and if you're brave enough to bring someone who's sick... Or if you're brave enough and you're not well to come and actually believe that God might heal you. Because I, I really believe, we have friends who are um, part of a church in the States, an English guy and an Irish girl who are married. And, um, and she contacted us last week about her sister who was here in an awful state. And we met with her once and we've been praying with her all week. And there's a miraculous change in her circumstances in a week. Actually in 48 hours things turned around so dramatically with other people having total changes ahead in a situation. It's just miracles. And it's like, if we, if we step into it, we have a chance. But if we sit on the sidelines and look on and stay safe, we're going to miss out. The stuff will happen anyway, but we just miss out on, on being part of it. And, and that probably leads me into what I want to talk about this morning, which is, I want to continue on with that whole idea of, um, of a follower and us being a follower of Jesus. And us being a follower of Jesus means doing some of the stuff he did and stepping in some of the situations he stepped into. Um, hopefully not the cross. I'd rather avoid that when if possible. But, um, but to step into some of the stuff that he stepped into and do things. And, and whenever he saw someone sick and they, and they reached in and they looked for something, he healed them. He stepped into that place. But he did it because he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And something in us, I think sometimes, certainly for me anyway, a lot of times I think, ah oh, yeah, but that was Jesus. He's different. Sure. He's God. So it was all right for him. But then I look at the book of Acts, which is what we're studying in the Bible study, and I see, as we move through the chapters, that ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, ordinary people, sinners, like me, got filled with the Holy Spirit and next thing, they're going around praying with people and they're getting healed. And they're seeing miracles happening all around them. And they're going, well, maybe it's not just Jesus. Maybe it's not just God that can do these things. Maybe us ordinary people can do them as well. But I want to look just for, for a few minutes in, the, in, um, in Luke. And in chapter 4 in Luke. And it's the story of where Jesus is led into the desert. And it's not the place any of us want to go. But just before that, in chapter 3, Jesus goes to John the Baptist and he gets baptized. 
And in the other translations, John the Baptist is saying to him, sure, I'm not going to baptize you, you're God, basically. And he's going, no, let's do this, because this is the right thing to do. And he gets baptized. And the Spirit comes from heaven and fills him. And he moves on from there into chapter 4. And it says, led by the Spirit into the desert. Jesus was full of the Spirit. I want to read a little bit of it for you. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. I could take something from that for a slimming word, couldn't I? Do you know what I mean? Like, he ate nothing for 40 days. But anyway, there's, there's willpower for you. But here's the thing. I, I just want to stop there for a second. Have you ever been in that bad place? That life is lousy, things are all going wrong, relationships are breaking down, finances have run out, you name it, whatever it is, it's a desert. It's this horrible place. Maybe my physical health is gone. Maybe my emotional health is gone. And I'm blaming the devil or someone or anyone on doing this to me. And I miss the possibility that maybe God led me into that place for a reason. Because we have, I know I, I had for a long time this idea that once I was going to kind of have a relationship with God, that everything was going to be hunky-dory. There wasn't going to be any problems. There wasn't going to be any hassles. Everything was going to be nice and easy, and it was going to be a bed of roses. And I forgot about the thorns, and I forgot about the manure that the roses grow through. I just thought it was going to be this nice bed of roses. And in reality, we were, we were with someone two weeks ago, um, with this person, and they were going through a really tough time. And, and their whole thing was, oh, I'm getting attacked here, and I'm getting attacked there, and I'm getting attacked here. And it was like looking at their life from our, from our point of view, and it's easy for me to stand on the outside and say stuff, I know. But I mean, I could see God just taking all the stuff away from their life. What they saw as attacks was God was trying to break all the defenses that they had, and all of the stuff that they had built up to keep everybody out because they were so hurt. And they had so many walls built up, and God was trying to break them down to get back to that heart that he created so he could set them free. And the reality of it is Jesus wants us to be free. But sometimes we trap ourselves inside of these walls that we built to protect ourselves from people who hurt us. And we needed them walls. And we probably still need some bits of them. But we don't need what we have, and the trouble with it is it keeps God out as well. Now, I don't know what walls Jesus could have possibly had, but he had grown up for 30 years just as an ordinary human being. He'd been brought up in a family. He'd been thought of as being an illegitimate child. He brought up in a place where everybody said, what good can come from there? It reminds me of Crumlin when I was growing up in it. He had all of that stuff going on. So I reckon he might have even had a few hang-ups getting up to this stage in his life. He could have had a few issues. Maybe needed a bit of counsel. God only knows. But he got full of the Holy Spirit. And in that fullness of that Holy Spirit, God brought him into a desert because he was going to break down anything that was going to be a barrier between Jesus being all he could be and where he was right now. Does that make sense? So when he's in the desert, he gets tempted in three different ways. It says the devil said to him, this is when he was hungry. Remember, he hadn't had anything to eat for 40 days. And he said, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's better. It's written, man doesn't live on bread alone. And I was thinking, like, what, what has that got to do with anything? 
there was a physical temptation. Do you know what the physical temptation was? Do what feels right. Just do what feels right. If I was starving hungry and I had the power to turn a stone into a piece of bread, I think it would feel like a good idea to turn that stone into a bit of bread. When I was broke and I had an opportunity to use money that wasn't mine, it felt like a good idea to use that money. But it wasn't the right thing to do. Sometimes when we've been lonely, we've made choices that felt good to do. But it mightn't have been the right thing to do. And I don't know if you remember that, um, the first little video I showed three weeks ago, four weeks ago, of that woman, Angela Mayo, and she said, just do right. Sometimes doing right doesn't feel good. It's still right, though. It's still right. When I'm... Uh, faced with all kinds of physical temptations, which I am, and you are. Everything in me wants to do what feels good, or feels right, but it's not always the right or the best thing to do. And what Jesus said was, man doesn't live on bread alone. In the other, trans- in the other book of Matthew it says, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's like, I know when I have fasted, um, and I've been starving hungry some days. And that scripture has come back to me over and over and over again. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from God. And somehow or other that has given me enough strength to get through that half an hour that I was starving. Till the next half hour came. But there's something about if we feed ourselves on God's word, that it feeds more than just our bodies. The next temptation... was this one and I said the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him I'll give you all their authority and splendor for it's been given to me so I can give it to anyone I want to so if you worship me it'll all be yours and Jesus said it's written worship the Lord your God and save him only and this one is all about the throne this one is all about who's king who are we going to worship and, and the reality of it is Jesus came to get exactly what the devil was offering them. The kingdoms of the world. To take back the keys of the world. To take back the power for the worship because it rightly belonged to him. And he had an opportunity to shortcut it and do it an easy way. Or to do it the hard way. Which is the right way. And he refused the easy way. And again I say, that's all right for Jesus. He's Jesus what about me? But then I have to look to him and go, no one's ever offered me the kingdom of the world. But, but I have certainly been offered stuff that put other things in a throne instead of God. I've certainly had opportunities where I could either decide to worship God or worship something else. And I'm not, when I say worship, I'm not talking about um, bowing down on your hands and knees and, and this kind of stuff. But I'm talking about where, where's my heart going? I worshipped money for years. It was the king. It was what we reeled our life on. I worshipped Dan. I didn't bow down, but in my heart and in my head I did. In my life I did. I did it to money. I did it to, um, never really had power, so I don't know what that would be like. But I did it to materialism. I did it to stuff. I've had loads of opportunities over the years, and I've often gone... I wish I could tell you I haven't. Most times I go the wrong way. 
A lot less now, maybe, than then. But I still go the wrong way. But the grace of God pulls us back. And we have an opportunity to fix it. Because Jesus didn't do that. But just because we're in that desert and I'm getting tempted doesn't mean God has deserted me. It doesn't mean that I'm on my own. And the last temptation that Jesus faced. It says in verse 9, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And it says, If you're the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down with me here. For it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left them until an opportune time. We'll go to the next bit in a minute. This one was about testing God's love. And I think that, that they're the three areas in life that we all get tempted in. We all get tempted in something to do with something that feels okay, feels good. Well, a lot of us get tempted around what we worship and where we put that. And then the other big question is, does God really love me? Because if God really loved me, why is this happening? Whenever you sit with somebody who's in a huge amount of pain and something's gone wrong in life and something really hard has happened for them, an awful lot of times the question is, I don't know if God actually loves me. I don't know if all that stuff is real. I don't know if it's true. Because if he loved me, why would he let this happen? And I'd love to tell you I know the answer. I'd love to be able to say, oh, there's a nice cliche answer that I'll just go with that, but there isn't. Bad things happen to nice people. Bad things happen to people who really love God and, and try and follow him. Everything they've got in them and bad things still happen to them. All I do know is that his love is still secure. His love is still real. His, still, his love is still tangible and it's enough to carry us through that time. And there's a verse in Romans where it says that he'll work all things out for good. Now that may not even be where we see it in this world. We may not see the results of that until we might be gone before we see the results of that. But God has worked good things out of bad situations over and over and over again. And not only bad situations that happened to me, but bad situations that I did. Stupid things I did. And he has still worked good out of them. And he's worked good because he has a love for us. And he has a love for you. And whatever situation you're in, it really doesn't matter what it is. No matter how hard, it's how easy, whatever. Whether it's money or a relationship or a physical thing. He can work good out of that. But he'll work good out of it if we stay close to him. I heard this amazing teaching the other day from um, a guy, great podcast to listen to was Brooklyn Tabernacle. Um, Jim Simbala, I think is the man's name. I love his voice as well. He just has a real Brooklyn accent. It's, it's great to listen to. But he was preaching and he was saying, you know when we do wrong stuff and we get tempted like this and we pick the wrong thing, the thing that really kills us is we question God's love and we think he doesn't love us anymore. And then we think that we're not his child anymore. Because how could I be his child? And he said, all the badness we could ever do never interferes with either of those two things. The only thing it ever interferes with is our standing with God. How our relationship is wrong. 
I remember our kids growing up and they do something bold or they do something they shouldn't do, right? Anyone, a mammy or a daddy in here, you know what I'm talking about. It never stopped them being our kids. Never stopped us loving them. We wanted to kill them, but it didn't stop us loving. Do you know what I mean? Like they drive you demented. Or maybe you're driving your man and dad demented. It doesn't mean that you, you don't love them anymore and they're not your child. But it does mean you're maybe not happy with them because of what they're doing. And sometimes we fall into that with God that we do stuff we shouldn't do and he's not happy with us. And we're not happy even with him because we know he's not happy. You know when you pissed your man off, you knew, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? You knew, right? And, and you weren't happy because you knew you were in trouble. It wasn't really so good you got them off, but you, were in tr- you knew you weren't in a good place. So you did what you needed to do to get back into a good place. You owned up, you said sorry, and you moved on. And that's all we need to do with God. But here's the, the last verse I want to read from this for today. Verse 14, it says this. And if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you, underline this. There's two parts of it. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. And in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread all over the place. Jesus went, being full of the Spirit, he moved into the desert, and he came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. And from that place of power, he went and he preached, he healed, he taught, he set people free, he raised the dead. He did everything he was supposed to do, full of power from God. And so many of us are living our lives thinking that I, God doesn't love me or he, he couldn't really love me, it's just happening. And we're not full of power to fight the situations that we have to fight. But we're not full of power because we, when we end up in the desert, we don't go through it. We run away from it. We look for the easy way. We look for the, the bit that feels good rather than the bit that's right to do. We start looking to other things or other people to solve the problems instead of looking to God to solve the problems. And we have other people on the throne. And then we doubt the love that God has for us. And what I really believe he wants to say to, to you and to me this morning is, don't ever doubt his love because he loves you. He's loved you for eternity and he always will love you. And, and whoever tells you otherwise, and whatever you tell yourself otherwise, don't doubt that. And I can't make you not doubt that. All I can do is encourage you. Please don't doubt that because he loves you enough that he would die for you. I have never met anyone else who said they would die for me. I've met people, actually, I think I know one or two people who may say, yeah, if the crunch came, I probably would take a bullet for you. But Jesus took a bullet for us. He didn't have to say he'll do it. He did it. There's no one else in your life who's done that for you. But he did. There's no one else who deserves to be on the throne. Because no one else created the heavens and the earth. Only he did. So why would we worship anything that he made instead of worshiping him who made it. Why would I worry and stress and have all my security in money when he's the one who controls all the money? And the last thing, why would I give everything I have into what just feels good when it never lasts anyway? Never lasts. I do something that feels good. 
We go back to the old Slim and Wolf for a minute. You have the burger and chips, it's great for three minutes. <laughs> and then it's gone. And then as the games were saying this morning, you just feel this big lump in your belly. Right? So it's like, it's not, it doesn't last. None of that stuff lasts. No matter what it is. Sex, drug, or rock and roll. Doesn't matter. Doesn't last. It's gone. But if we hang on to God, that's there forever. So I want to live a life. I want to be a follower who lives a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to invite you to live that life too. Because I think that's the life you were made to live. I think that's the life when God sat there and he said, oh, I think I'm going to make him like this and I'm going to make her like that and then I'm going to fill him full of my spirit and I'm going to fill him full of power and they're going to have an adventurous life that has things happening. And they'll have problems and they'll have all kinds of stuff come against them, but they'll have the power to overcome it because they'll have my spirit living in them. And that's the promise that he has for you and he has for me. And the question is, what do you do with that? Um, I'm a minute or two over there's a, there's a song on the next slide that Tony will just play lightly while I pray um, but I want to invite you Sorry. so as this song plays okay I just want to invite you, you don't have to stand up you don't have to move halfway through or I will give that invitation if you're finished and you want to go grab a cup of coffee then feel free to do that as well but just that's respect that bit of space for a minute for people who do maybe want prayer or who want to make that commitment in their place to themselves with God. Just put that on Tony, will you please? Just a few minutes long this song. Down a bit. Um, when you get up tomorrow morning, you're going to be faced with a question. I'll guarantee you something's going to come and we'll have a choice whether we follow our flesh Follow the ways of the world or follow whatever the devil's telling us to do or to do what God wants us to do. And this is not about judging and it's not about trying to make anyone feel bad. It's just saying there is a great way if we choose it. But it's our choice. And God won't bait you up because you don't and he won't bait down your door to get you to do it. But he will knock and he will invite every time. And the invitation right now is do you want to step into that place with him? So what I want to ask you for is just take a few seconds and close your eyes and just hold this space just for you. Just between you and him. Is he speaking to you? Is he calling you? Is he putting his finger on something in your life? Is he inviting you into something? Spirit will not always lead you into comfort, but it will always lead you into power. He will always lead you into power and into freedom. So Father, I pray that for each and every one of us in this room and whoever may end up listening to this, that we would make a choice to surrender, to follow your spirit, wherever you lead us. Whether it seems good, bad, or indifferent, Lord, that we will follow your spirit wherever you go. I pray for whatever anyone is facing in this room. Whatever problems they're facing, whatever challenges, whatever joys, whatever amazing or horrible things look like it's going to happen. I pray that you would lead us by the power of your spirit. 
and that we would live lives that are full of your power. That we would live lives that are full of your power, Lord. The Lord, not only in church, but we would see people who go to walk and someone's sick and walking to say, let me pray for you, and that person's healed. That we would see people have miracles in their financial situation because they pray and they would see you walk a miracle. That they would see relationships fixed. They would see lives restored. They would see absolute miracles as they're a normal thing to happen. So Father, I pray, come, Spirit, lead us. As we sit for this minute, Lord, just come and lead us. Come and lead us. Jesus, even when it doesn't make sense, I pray we would let your spirit lead. We would let your spirit lead. So Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would lead your people this week. That in every step that we take, Lord, if there's people we should invite for that meeting next Sunday night, I pray that we would, you would lead us to them. Lord, you would lead us to them and that you would give us the power and the courage to invite them, to bring them, to say, come, we have a God who heals we follow a God who works miracles. We follow a God who created the heavens and the earth, who knit you and me together in their mother's wombs, who can change things, who can create things out of nothing, who can heal, who can set free. We have a God who does all that. So Lord, bless your people, I pray. May your presence go with them as we leave this place. May your face shine on them. May you grant them peace in every single day this week. God bless you and keep you. Um, if you would like prayer, if you want to make an extra 
step of faith today, then, then come up the front. There's a few of us here and we pray with you. Or if you need prayer for some situation in your life, then please don't leave without getting prayer. We want to stand with you and believe God. And uh, thanks for coming today. And it's great to see you. So God bless you. Thank you.